Welcome to the Edified Equity Podcast, where today we have a special guest on our Hanging Tin with Dino series. So this is going to be episode number 72. We have Hunter Thompson Hanging Tin with us. Hunter, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks again. Honor be on. Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's kick off with the intro. So as you know, my name is Dino. Here we focus on all the unique benefits associated with being a passive equity investor in an apartment syndication. You can learn more about and follow us on the web, iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and our award-winning blog on Bigger Pockets. All associated links will be in the show notes. If you find today's information helpful, please subscribe, like, comment, rate, and review. So we're gonna start off, uh, I wanna tell you a little bit about Hunter and ha give him the opportunity to jump in and even expand on that before we take a deep dive, as we like to say. So Hunter's a full-time real estate investor and the founder of ASIM Capital, a private equity firm based out of Los Angeles, California. Since starting ASIM, Hunter has helped more than 250 investors allocate capital to over 100 properties. He's personally raised more than 30 million in private capital and controls more than 75 million in commercial real estate. Uh, Hunter has been featured in Forbes, Globe Street, Inside Self Storage, as well as a variety of other media news outlets, podcasts, and radio shows. He is the host of the Cashflow Connections Real Estate Podcast, which helps investors learn the intricacies of commercial real estate from the comfort of their own home, car, or office. I love it, Hunter. Um, why don't you, if you have the opportunity, expand and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Extremely passionate about. I mean, this topic totally changed my life. I mean, it's maybe interesting to some of your listeners, when I got into the world of past investing back in 2011 or so, I immediately fell in love with the syndicated model and realized that that was the mechanism that it was such a direct route to financial freedom uh, yeah. because the diversification alone, just being able to rely on other people's time, energy, expertise, and access to capital is so mind-blowing. And I thought, you know, I need to create a business around this. Mm -hmm. And now that we have some traction, that we've had some success, uh, you know, to the tune of whatever $30 million, like you mentioned earlier, yeah. I can look back on that moment where I realized this vehicle and said, this is the way to all the goals that most people are talking about that almost no one knows about. I have to create a business around this. And almost all my friends and family said, you can't create a business around passive investing. That's not a business. You ha and I said, well, I know that no one knows about this thing that I know a lot about and there's going to be a demand for this product. And thankfully, I didn't play a role in this, by the way, but the industry created itself underneath me, especially with the advent of crowdfunding. You know, yeah. the legalization of the public solicitation had a huge impact on my life. And so, you know, like I said, we can go into many details about this, but it changed my perspective on what was possible because originally I was so drawn to stocks, bonds, and mutual funds not because of the validity of the investment, because of the marketing around all of the reasons that everyone knows about to invest in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And once I got exposed to what was possible in the syndicated space, you know, I never looked back and, and really honored to, to have been the benefactor of that creation of that industry and also you know, here talking to you today about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, um, like we uh, barely touched on this um, you know, before we started recording, but I, I 
I don't think we had the opportunity to meet in person, but I was at the best ever conference this year and did have right. the opportunity um, to see you speak about exactly kind of what you just said, uh, like how it's changed your life and what the benefits are um, on the passive side versus being, you know, on the active operating side. And of course there's benefits to both and there's many ways to make a living, uh, you know, have your, your investment go out there and sweat for you. So I'm not trying to steer and say what's better or what, I don't want to get into that debate with you, but sure. I really enjoyed um, listening to you on that panel. And I thought you guys did a great job on both sides. No, I appreciate that a lot. And, and without getting into the debate, you know, one of the things that I found really compelling about that discussion was that to your point, we were up there on stage with some really savvy sponsors yeah. who do the business actively. And I really enjoyed the conversation because part of it was all in fun. And then part of it is something that I, and I'm not joking around, like I actually really am a proponent of the passive approach. But I think what came out during that conversation, and I was kind of making it in jest, was saying that no matter what your net worth is, your net worth cannot create financial freedom because of the fact that most of the time in pursuit of that net worth, you have to be hyper allocated or over allocated by what most people would be perceived in terms of financial planning. Mm -hmm. So what I was trying to make the case is that while you can make five, 10, hundred million dollars or even billions of dollars, that can typically usually be evaporated if there's a weird, bizarre thing that happens in one particular sector. And the example I used in the debate was Carl Icahn. Um, excuse me, not Carl Icahn, Ike Batista, who is similar to Carl Icahn in a lot of regards, sixth richest man in the world at one point, made billions of dollars in oil and then oil turned around and had his net worth be evaporated. And anyone that's listening to this podcast has a higher net worth than he did at the low point where he owed more than a billion dollars, had a negative net worth of a billion dollars. Yeah. Basically what I was saying was if, you had just, if he had just diversified 10% of his portfolio into passive approach that wasn't related directly to oil. You know, he'd be in a situation far greater than a lot of us could possibly imagine. But um, yeah, I'm a huge proponent of, the, of just the passive approach because of the diversification, because it increases that predictability of outcome. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, glad to be on the show. Yeah, well, thank you. So a little bit of the backstory. Um, I'm a veteran, I served in the Navy, and when we were on Liberty, I really enjoyed um, just getting out with some of the other sailors and going surfing. So as a play on my love and, and passion for surfing, um, and where it took me in a it, like where it took me mentally, it was also physical, and it was just like the greatest escape. It put me right into nature as well. Um, I can't speak on, you know, how much I love it. Of course, I live in Colorado, so there's not much surfing here. But um, just as an honor to my passion and, and love for it, I called this series the Hang Tin with Dino series. And the reason that I do that is because some of my favorite times when listening to other podcasts is when the host gets to ask the guest questions. So I thought, why don't I create a podcast around that when I have experts on so here we are in the Hang, ser hang Ten series, and the Hang Ten, of course, is a playoff of surfing. So sure. um, you ready to Hang Ten? Let's do it. All right. So let's talk about a little bit more about real estate and what drove you. As, as I like to say, what was your aha moment that said, it's, and I know you might, you might be diversified and feel free to speak on that, but what drew you towards real estate? 
Oh, I mean, it's simple. It's very straightforward. It's something that I remember. It's very pronounced and it's something that not a lot of people talk about. So for a lot of people, 2008 was their moment where they said, I need to rethink my entire perception of reality, especially when it comes to financial stuff. That was not the case for me. Okay. I grew up uh, typically going left when everyone was looking right. And the mother of all situations like that was investing and starting a real estate company in 2011, right after the most significant real estate collapse in the history of the United States. Yeah. That was something that took no, it wasn't a brute strength thing. It wasn't a willpower thing. It was something that came very naturally to me. Okay. That's just the result of whatever it is. So it's something I can, I can't really take credit for that because I was just like, okay, this is going to be great. Now, what ended up happening though, was I immediately dove into those stocks, bonds, and mutual funds in 2008 and started to see success, started to gain traction after doing a lot of research on the topic, reading books by Warren Buffett and the like. And then 2010 happened. And the reason I say that, not a lot of people talk about this. For me, this was the moment when I realized, what am I doing? It was the European debt crisis. And so what happened is after all of this research I had done, all of the results that I had seen and the fact that I was able to make this massive bet when everyone else was scared instantly started causing insane volatility in the U.S. markets because of something as obscure as the Greece bond yields. And I remember thinking, what does the Greece bond yields have to do with my financial well-being? I read hundreds of books on this topic. They never said that if a central bank in Europe goes under, you may lose everything. Yeah, And that was starting to become clear. And so I started to realize that I needed to find investment vehicles, which are straightforward enough so that a small family office or even an individual person could actually identify the risks and then mitigate those risks. Mm -hmm. And I was open to anything, but real estate quickly became the easiest way to create that. And that's how I was led to real estate. Got it. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, most people wouldn't think that, uh, much less read hundreds of books on the topic. So, yeah, I mean, maybe that's an exaggeration, but certainly hundreds of hours of reading, right? No, Thousands I mean, of hours. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. No, I, I understand. I mean, even 100 articles, they wouldn't, or right. one article. Okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so very good. Number two, continuing in on that deep dive, if you could go back and have a discussion with your younger self, what age would you be? What would you say? Mm. Oh man. Well, so, okay. I'll be honest with you. Questions like these, I want to be honest about them because I am a big proponent of the whole butterfly effect and I'm very happy with where I currently am, sure. right? There's many things that I would change, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't risk one thing to that may displace me from my current job because I'm just so happy that I get to talk to people like you and I love all of our investors. So just yeah. having that in mind, I hope you guys can understand where I'm going with that. Um, I will say that there was some really challenging moments in my career that I wish that if I could just go back and say, it's going to be okay, yeah. that would be the main message. I mean, a perfect result of this or a perfect example of this was my first capital raise where I had already had success in the real estate sector. I had gotten a track record with my own capital and some very close friends and family. I wanted to scale the business. Mm -hmm. I had an investor luncheon where there was only accredited investors were allowed. 30 people came, so probably $30 million in the room. Yeah. A 30 minute presentation about the mobile home park business. Um, I had already signed a contract saying I was going to invest a half a million dollars, I needed to raise that money, and was confident I was going to get more than a million and got zero, not a dollar. Hmm. And this was a moment where I had already committed to being a real estate entrepreneur. And right. It was heartbreaking. 
And, uh, you know, I did end up getting through that, but the realization I needed to have was that it wasn't about sales strategies. It wasn't right. about communicating effectively. It wasn't about that. It was about attracting people that were already interested in the topic. This room of 30 people had no experience investing in real estate, let alone experience investing in mobile home parks. Right. I thought I could convert them in a pseudo-religious way in a 30-minute luncheon, and it didn't happen. Um, I did overcome that, but you know, that's something I would go back and say, listen, you're going to be all right. Keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I think if we, if we have people listening that are – you know, aspiring to get into multifamily or syndicate mobile home park, self-storage, whatever, you know, you, you name it. And um, they're getting into investor relations and educating people and thought leadership. And they, they go out on their first raise looking for those equity partners. And, you know, they raise zero or they raise a hundred thousand and they needed to raise a million or more. Right. We hear all these stories about, you know, in 10 minutes, um, I sent out a text and in 10 minutes I had my $3.4 million raised. So the person that says that is highly likely telling the truth. But what they left off was I've been in this business for 10 years. <laughs> you see, that's different because by right. then they've met the people who believe in the asset, which is to my, like you said, those people didn't know mobile homes. It wasn't even you. So first, I, I say you got to believe in the asset, you got to believe in the operating team, and then finally, then you have to find something that they're serving on the menu that you like. So thanks for sharing that because I think it's important that we, we tell the truth and that the truth is we actually put on our jersey every day and we, we earn what it, the position and the place where we are today, like you helping the, the 30 million and then personally having the 75 million, you know, all that takes time. So. I think it's really good for people to hear um, others answer honestly. Thank you. Yeah. You know what? Can I just add one thing to this? I know it's the 10 and we want to get through all of them, but just really quickly, yeah. it's as an entrepreneur or even anyone with a side hustle, one of the most important things you can really get a good skill at is understanding when to push through failures and when to say, okay, this isn't working. I need to take a right turn. Yeah. It's hard for me to put into words because it's so intuitive, but mm -hmm. That, is, that was a clear red flag for me, but it wasn't a stop. It was a meditate on this, figure out how this went wrong and see if this is overcomable. I could have seen this isn't going to work for me and quit. Right. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that. And I haven't thought that through clearly enough to give more yeah. <laughs> close examples, but um, I think that's, there's something to that basically. Yeah, for sure. Man, I agree 100%. Okay. Number three, who has been the most influential person in your life and or career, or maybe both? Yeah. So, man, there's so many, but I will say my grandfather was a, a very successful businessman in the 70s and 80s. And um, I'll actually give a shout out to anyone that's listening to this. Uh, if you want to listen to me go into his detail, I did an interview on the topic uh, with Paul Moore. Uh, he has a podcast called How to Lose Money, where I talked about my grandfather's uh, meteoric rise and then a catastrophic fall, uh, which was the result of what we talked about in the beginning, mm -hmm. complete over allocation to a very specific niche. For him, it was the commodities market with cotton. Mm -hmm. And he did something very similar to uh, Ike Batista. And so that inspired me to let it be known that diversification is key to financial planning. Yeah. And you don't have to go through what my family went through back in those days 
um, if you can just create a little bit of wealth and invest a little bit of that wealth diversified, the miracle of compounding interest will create generational wealth for, for many generations to come. So, you know, that's an influential person, not directly in terms of his mentorship, yeah. but in terms of a combination of what it means to be success in industry and also, you know, what not to do. Yeah. No disrespect, of course. Of course, yeah. All right, number four. So what's the most instrumental tool that you use in business? Oh, gosh. We like From a technical standpoint, we recently integrated with a third-party portal, which allows us to have all of our investor uh, relations take place online. Perfect. So people can go to our portal, go through the investment process without directly interfacing with me. And just to circle back to that first raise, which was a catastrophic failure, we frequently have people come through this portal learn from our podcast, learn from articles we've written and fund without ever talking to me. And yeah. that makes the business very scalable because of that investment in that technology. That is, yeah, that is. Yeah, when you think about it, the, I mean, the the difference there and what happened on that first one, they had the, per I mean, you were right there in the room with him and then, right. and, yeah. Yes, now we just get an email saying, here's the 300,000. <laughs> That's crazy. And they never met you or spoken, spoke to yeah. you. Now they know me intimately though, right? That's right. the whole point. They know me intimately because of the work we've done through our, uh, you know, the thought leadership platform. Exactly. Yeah, I understand. Okay, five. Uh, what's the best or most influential book? And this can include audio. Um, it could be, like I say, audio book, podcast, a movie, a documentary, but what has helped you throughout your life and your real estate career? Okay, so there's many that I'm sure people have mentioned many times in your program, you see the same couple names come up. So I don't want to give those names away because it's obviously, okay. you guys are already familiar with those. I do two that don't get talked about enough. One is Miracle Mornings for Entrepreneurs, okay. right? So there's a Miracle Morning session. The one for entrepreneurs has two authors. One is Cameron Harold, who is a very influential person in my life, though I don't know him personally. The other book is written by Cameron Harold, which is Double Double. The reason I like those two books I'm very much about the morning routine, life, uh, mm -hmm. working out, meditating, manifesting, you know, clearly outlining your goals, reverse engineering them, and that's a big part of my life. But I also like Double Double because it's like a operating manual to double your business. Right. Or less. And I like the both sides of that, right? I like the kind of woo-woo meditation, but I also like the how are we going to actually get this done on a quarterly basis? And that kind of a, it's a good metaphor for who I am as a business person. In what did you say in how many years or less? Three years or less. Three years or less. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. That those are two. You're right. No one has mentioned those. Um, so thank you. And the next one, you kind of already touched on it, but I'll ask it anyway. What you, you said that you said you were a person of this, um, but you didn't expand too much. This gives you the opportunity. What daily habits or rituals do you perform that help you stay focused and successful? Yeah. So, I mean, I have a morning routine. I, I mean, that's obviously something that if you are listening to this and you constantly hear people that are successful talking about morning routines and you haven't yet implemented this, just let me challenge you, please, to do this for 30 days. And if you want to do it only on weekdays and not on weekends, that's totally fine. I'm not going to hold it against you. But if you're listening to this and you haven't yet tapped into this resource, you're leaving money on the table. Mm. So here's just an example of kind of a morning routine of mine. I wake up early, not super early, let's say six in the morning, okay. um, do a shower, glass of water. I do 10 minutes of closed eyes meditation, typically with an app 
like uh, Headspace, for example. Okay. Um, I use an app called Five Minute Journal to journal things that the app automatically requests. So things you're grateful for, things you're looking forward to accomplishing, and then some affirmations. Mm-hmm. And then I do some stretching, which is kind of a workout while I listen to an audiobook. Then I have a protein shake and I am ready to go. I start working at 7.30 and don't start answering emails until 10 a.m. That is when you can actually make the moves that's going to help your business scale. Mm-hmm. Is that time for me prior to doing anything reactive and only contemplating what's actually going to take you to the next level. Yeah. And so every significant thing that I've done, whether it be writing a book right now, and I guarantee you, investors that pay attention to what we're doing as a company, mm-hmm. when we put this book out, the question is going to be, how in the world did you write this book while you're going through this growth? And the answer is that time between 7.30 and 10 a.m. So very powerful stuff in there. And that's not something I came up with, obviously. I mean, it's outlined a lot in those books that I mentioned earlier. But um, meditation is a great way on a risk-adjusted basis to spend your 10 minutes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I haven't heard that one. I've heard different versions, of course, of um, individuals and investors, like their morning routine. But I like that one to where you're like – there's only offense, no defense until 10. Like, I don't even turn it on. We're just moving the ball yes. forward. Yes. We're focused on scoring, 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 and then we're going to try to hold them off. A hundred percent. Just to add to that, I've had the opportunity to interview more than 100 successful people on my real estate podcast, mm-hmm. and none of them, not one, has ever said the big ingredient for my success is I was able to answer this many emails in a day. Yeah. You can never answer an email that's going to make you a million dollars you wouldn't be made otherwise. You can definitely ruin your chance to make an idea that can make you a million dollars during that time period which you're responding to email. So mm-hmm. that's a challenge right there. Yeah. I like it. Okay, number seven. What's the best piece of advice you'd give to someone just starting out as a real estate investor? So listen to the podcast, my show, your show, whatever show, and they're just starting out today. Who, not how. It's as simple as that. If you're listening to this podcast, you're familiar with many, many ideas on how to generate wealth. Mm -hmm. You're familiar with, well, the hotel business is good because of this. And you can also invest in A-class properties because of this, or the self-storage business is great because of this. It's great Mm -hmm. to find tailwinds in asset classes. But what really matters is finding one or two key individuals that you feel very good on a gut feel perspective that you want to have a lifestyle similar to go that direction as far and as fast as possible. And then if you find a moment where they went left and your gut is telling you to go right, look right, find someone who went right at that shift and go that direction as fast as you can and never try to come up with it on your own. Just find people and use their success as a playbook for your own. Yeah, I like it. I like that. Number eight. So what's the one thing, and I understand like butterfly effect. So you might say, do you know it's nothing? Yeah. What's the one thing you would have done differently when you first started out with real estate investing? You know, oh, this is actually, now that you say it like that, it's a very clear answer. I originally, like I mentioned at the time, 2011, mm-hmm. having a business about passive investing was not popular. If you were investing in a syndication, try to convince someone to do that most of the time would be explaining to them what a syndication was. Okay, mm-hmm. that's changed drastically. So when I first launched my business, we were, I was investing in syndications, but I thought it was too much of a hurdle to overcome that educationally. Mm-hmm. So I helped people invest in single family houses. 
I spent a lot of time creating this business and the success was basically nothing. Why? Because I wasn't being authentic. Mm. You know, this was not what I was passionate about. Right. Single family houses was not the vehicle that I believed was the route to their financial freedom. And so they couldn't pick up on what it was that I was being inauthentic about, but they knew it was something and they always assumed the worst. Mm. And so if there's anything I could say is just do some soul searching and be as authentic as possible because that's going to really help your close ratio and it's going to help you live a life that's aligned with your ethical values. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. A hundred percent. Of course, who wouldn't? Um, good. That's very good insights. I like it because you can sense it. Like you say, if it's not authentic or there's something like you really wanted to maybe be in syndication, whatever, yes. homes, self-storage, um, multifamily, but you were doing this just because like you said, back then it was a different time. Things change yes. now. And so what do they think? They don't think, oh, he really wants us to be in self-storage. What he think is this guy is about to defraud us. Mm. They, they think the absolute worst if yeah. you aren't being authentic. Yeah. All right. Number nine. So, and uh, you might be liquid this, but just play along with me. If you had to choose between one and it was have a million dollars liquid today, like right now, here's a million dollars, you're liquid. Um, or to travel back in time, being able to take all the knowledge and wisdom you have and start over, what would you take? It's got to be the knowledge. It has to be the knowledge. Okay. I mean, because you cannot take, the million dollars is not consequential if you understand the playbook. Right. What is a million dollars? Okay, you can invest it and make $100,000 a year on average, whatever. That's fine. But what about the courage? What about the knowledge? What about the network? What about the relationships? What about the inspiration? I mean, those are the things that are valuable to me. And I would much rather have that um, because I can create something much more valuable than a million dollars with that knowledge and that network, et cetera. Yeah. I might, I'm in alignment with that. I would, I would definitely, I mean, having, if I could just take like a chip out and then rewind to a certain age and plug it in, I, and I would say, I know how to do all this. Now I just got to go and like live it, make it happen, take the action. Definitely do same thing. A million is a million. And yeah, I know where to like, I already have the knowledge of wisdom. So I know yeah. where to put it to work. I know how to diversify it, but I would go back. Um, I love hearing that. Mm -hmm. That's For great. Sure. I mean, that's, that's like an incredibly powerful thing given, especially since we're living a life that 99% of the world would think is a complete fantasy. Yeah. You know, we're, we're so lucky to be able to have this conversation on the internet. I mean, the billions of people, not only that are existing today, but that have ever existed, you know, 50 years ago, this would be science fiction, you know? Right. So yeah. very humbled by that yeah. reality. Yeah, no, I understand. And, you know, and for me, it's like, even with the million dollars, like you're like, yeah, okay, I can make that, you know, come become a um, hundred thousand a year, possibly or whatever. For me, it's like, I don't know. I just have a different, I have a different definition of financial success and happiness. And um, I mean, cause I remember at a young age, I was raised by entrepreneurs and people who like, they were the backbone of their business, a different type, wasn't passive at all. Like they couldn't go, they can go to Asia for a month. Like if they did that, they come back and their business was right into the ground. Yeah. Um, they were like the, the lifeblood of their business. Um, but I remember at a very young age and I'm talking like 13, my, one of my grandmothers said, as we were talking about money and like how much money I had saved in the bank, which is all good things for being so young. But she grabbed me by the arm and she says, you can't take it with you, son. 
<laughs> and I was like, I kind of didn't understand. Today, it hits home like you wouldn't believe. Um, but back then, I was like, wait, I, I thought this was, <laughs> I thought I was doing good. Anyway, I couldn't appreciate it, but it stuck with me and I'll never forget it. Love it. All right. So number 10, um, and this is kind of where you can take it however you want to take it. Tell us about what you're doing. But basically, I want to ask what excites you and what projects are you working on? Man, so what excites me the most and why I feel very fortunate to be in the business that I am is that if you were to ask me who the people are that I respect the most in the world of real estate, there are partners. That is something that I just don't take for granted. Yeah. Uh, just very, very fortunate because of the platform, because of a variety of other factors, very fortunate in terms of the timing of the market where we could develop some very legitimate relationships early on because the market was in a state of illiquidity, meaning that because we were investing, we could partner with groups that needed money for the first time, sometimes in their career. Right. So the fact that I can reach out to people that I aspire to be and to partner and joint venture with them and to actually work with them. And every time they speak, I learn something. Mm -hmm. That is uh, really, really incredible. Can you repeat the question? I just want to make sure I address it directly. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, like in life and business in general, what currently excites you and what projects are you working yes. on? So I love that because of that dynamic. Um, I also like the complications of real estate. You know, I think that people... Number one, we're very fortunate to live in the United States where real estate is an incredible vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, there's also cap rates that are advantageous cash flow, which is advantageous for those of you that don't live in the United States. You can still invest in the United States real estate, which is an incredible thing because of the internet and a variety of other right. factors. So, uh, you know, I like taking advantage of that, but also I like the fact that you're constantly challenged by securities laws or regulatory hurdles or rent control or any of this other stuff that seems like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Just remember every time you hit those hurdles, that's why the dollar signs are so compelling because yeah. other people hit those hurdles and say, I'm just going to go be a doctor. Why would I do this? I can just go and have a nice job and not have to worry about someone closing the hammer and saying your building's been rent controlled for a hundred years. Right. Those are the things that when you hit those hurdles, see those dollar signs. And when you can take those challenges and invert them into perception of opportunity, then you don't have any problems in the world. And then it's just, you know, it's, you're invincible at that point. So mm -hmm. challenges excite me. And whenever something comes up like that, I'm always, that's what I journal about. I'm excited yeah. to the, today that we had an investor who had a, uh, a you know a, some kind of situation where they asked a bunch of questions that you know a typical investor wouldn't. Well, I'm grateful that I get to have investors that are super savvy like that. It makes me a better investor. That's yeah. example. Exactly. Yeah. Something I like about um, you and just having to have this conversation is I like the way your perception of things and you seem like me. You seem. Um, motivated by the climb and like so for example your grandfather's story the the uh, the example you gave on your first raise and then just how you answered this question and i think if you're if it's about the climb uh, i think you have a long you always have a long future because there's always something else there and if that's what you're passionate about and that's what you're chasing like there is no means to an end when that's what you're you like 100% hundred percent. I mean, that's also the way you can live forever, right? If you're 80 and you're constantly finding people that challenge you, if you're in relationships, if you're reading books and you're like, damn, that's a great idea. I need to implement that. Yeah. Why not live to 90? And if you're 90 doing that, why not live to hundred or yeah. 157 or anything like that? Um, I'll give it just a short 
story about kind of the, the climb there, just to put it in perspective. So I recently started doing some CrossFit workouts and I started doing double unders, right? So it's doing jump rope where the rope goes under twice. Okay. Yeah. The first day I did it, I did five in a row. And I was like, man, you know, I should do a YouTube series or Instagram progression where I like, it's like the road to 50 double unders. Yeah. I was like, yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah. So the second day I go and I film and I did 30 in a row. Wow. Well, now it's like not fun to do the 50, right? It's just like, who cares about whether or not it's 50? Like, that's not really consequential. Yeah. It's like finding what's hard and then going further. So yeah. that's useful there. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, I, I totally get it. And um, yeah, I, 100%. So before, I mean, that was hang 10, but before we close out the show, want to give you the opportunity. Is there anything that um, specific, I mean, I'm going to have everything in the show notes, links like that, bio, um, how to contact and connect with you. But is there anything else that you want to talk about before we, before we shut it down? Yeah, I mean, it's so many things. First of all, I really enjoy the show. I can tell by the questions that you and I have a lot of similarities in terms awesome. of how we view the space. Um, one thing that someone told me recently that's really stuck with me is that if you're struggling with motivation, if you're struggling with understanding the investment space, if you're struggling with how to resolve a certain matter related to your business, teach it to someone else. Yeah. If you're struggling with motivation, motivate someone else. Um, if you're struggling with understanding how to create the legal documents, teach someone else how to create the legal documents. In pursuit of that mastery is how you really take your thing to the next level. So always focus on your own education and then if you can pass that along to the next generation you'll find it not only rewarding but it's how you actually take it to the next level right yeah i love it yeah i mean i heard i don't this is not kind of paraphrasing but it's like the best way to learn something is to teach it and it's yeah similar to what you're saying there totally um okay so what is the um is there anything else you want to share that's good. Yeah, good. I think we covered a lot, obviously. Yeah. yeah, we did. We did. And like I say, I'm going to have all the, the links and everything. But what is the best way um, for someone to get a hold of you? Yeah, so I mean, you can learn more about our website or our company at our website, asymcapital.com. That's A-S-Y-M capital.com. I referred to some of the things we have on our educational platform. That's all available on cashflowconnections.com. And you can find our iTunes podcast on cashflowconnections.com. Uh, real estate podcast. So three words, cash flow connections. Awesome. All right, Hunter. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm glad I got to see you this year at the best ever conference. I'm glad we had the opportunity to put this show together. And for all the listeners, I hope you found today's information helpful. I did. And whether you're here for the education, the entertainment, or if you or someone you know has a problem finding the right place to invest their money, please help them by sharing this information. I don't have anything to sell, but I am on a mission. And I will continue to deliver quality, consultative, educational content on a routine basis. Thanks for tuning in. Make it a great day. You certainly deserve it. This is Dino Pierce, CEO of Edified Equity, signing off. Goodbye.